Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 203 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. We're back here with another one of our off-season roundtables. We've got a couple big topics from the past two weeks around the CFL. We'll also get into another edition, the second edition of our Top 5 Countdown series, the most contested segment in the show. We'll get into that uh, all here tonight as well. We've got a great panel this evening, including a special guest. We'll bring them in shortly. Uh, before we do that, do we always want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. We are live here tonight, as always, thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca uh, and Game Time TV MB on Facebook. Let's bring in the panel for this evening. We'll introduce the regulars first and then save our special guest here for last. Uh, with a special guest of his own in the building with them, the great Trey Colback is here with us tonight. Trey, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah, you see more pictures of that over there. Yeah, sorry. He wanted it's spring break, so it's past bedtime. He wanted to stay up and see what actually goes on when Dad says he has his football podcast. So there you go. This is Jack. Say hi, Jackson. Hi, <laughs> hi Jackson. Well, happy to have you both here this evening. Uh, always excited to get family members joining the show. Uh, joining us here, as always, as well, is the great Adam Stewart. Adam, how are you tonight? Well, I guess. Uh celebrating still a little bit but uh glad senior hockey is over and now it's time for the big time it's uh cfl time again so uh yeah really looking forward to talking to some cfl here tonight yes the premier uh saskatchewan senior hockey team of the canadian football countdown the theodore buffaloes bringing home the championship this weekend congrats adam uh we were with you every step of the way uh you know we're your number one fans it's clear that's half of what this podcast is now um (laughs) i was saying to the guys the other day i have randomly learned more about horse racing and senior hockey in saskatchewan in the last year than i ever imagined i would in my life so uh appreciate you guys appreciate you uh, and joining us here this evening, we do have a special guest in the building. He runs a great channel over on YouTube covering all things CFL called Hussie's Huddle. Uh, Jason is here with us this evening. Jason, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Ready to talk some CFL, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, very happy to have you join us here. Uh, always fun to have a guest in the building. Wearing your tie Cats, black and yellow. Noted tie Cats fan, right? <laughs> yep. Big year this year, hosting the Grey Cup at home. Big off-season for your Ticats. We'll get into some of those off-season roster moves, I'm sure, here yet as well. But uh, give us your, uh, I guess, quick five-minute or two-minute take on uh, how how much the how active the Ticats have been this off-season. Well, I think it was definitely needed after the season that they had last year. It was just very um, just not that they even had a poor record last year. I mean, they were able to sneak in the playoffs, but just the way that they lost some of these games compared to the previous couple of years and where the expectations were going into last year. Um, it was just such a breath of fresh air to get um, that um, much activity in free agency this year and really excited for this upcoming season. 
Right on. Uh, well, today, ahead on today's show, we'll talk a little bit about the CFL Combine that just wrapped up here uh, a bit ago. Supposedly, the CFL has plans to coordinate with the LFA over in Mexico for perhaps a CFL 2.0 initiative. Uh, we've got a couple of quarterbacks taking a pay cut to play down south uh, that we'll touch on here as well. And then in our top five countdown, we're covering the top off-season roster moves. And I have a feeling a couple of cats moves might end up in that list there. Uh, just taking a look back at last week's countdown, uh, we counted down the top five quarterbacks currently in the CFL. And it may have been the most controversial thing we've ever done in the history of the podcast. Uh, everybody had some opinions about that. It was great to see. We did put the poll out on Twitter. Mike wins man of the people from last episode. He he led the poll with the most votes. Uh, most people agreed with his top five quarterbacks. Uh, Trey, you finished second, despite people claiming you lost all of your credibility, but you also gained a friend in Chad Kelly. So congrats to you, sir. Um, Adam, you were third. was a measly fourth. And my takeaway from that is everybody still thinks it's 2018, uh, and uh, nobody believes in Taylor Cornelius. <laughs> My takeaway from last week's results there. And uh, you know what? We'll have to come up with a competition if we're going to do these all season long. Give out a man of the people award at the end of the season uh, based on how we finish the polls. Of course, thanks to Elon Musk, we have to adjust how we're going to do polls going forward because uh, you're going to have to be verified on Twitter to vote in them. So that's great. I, 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 I should add that the Theodore Buffaloes are now a verified account on uh, on Twitter. Just just saying. <laughs> and I was the first verified account from anyone on the podcast, right? So there we go. Well, I'm not paying to vote, so <laughs> I guess I'm finishing last again. I'll pay for that check mark, man. I'll pay for that. That's cool. That's fair. That's <laughs> now, whatever happens, democracy, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, do you have any takes, Jason, on top five quarterbacks in the CFL? I'm not sure if you saw our lists from last week. Uh, a couple of a uh, couple of them yeah. were a bit out there. Uh, what what do you what do you think? What who do you have in your top five? If you have to rattle them off. So so my top five. Well, after seeing what you guys put out, I think one thing that stood out to me was, uh, and I think a lot of people probably have the same thought is that um, I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Jake Mayer a little bit because I think he's shown a lot in the short uh, time he's been in the CFL. I mean, yeah, he didn't finish the season very well last year, but I think, um, you know, next year of this year being the guy, I think that um, I think he has the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks in this league. So my top five would be like, um, obviously Calaris. And then I would have mayor at number two, um, Harris at three, uh, Mitchell at four. I'm not super confident in that. Um, you know, I think it could go either way with him. And then I probably would go with Mazzoli at number five. That may be far more reasonable of a top five than any of us on the podcast had last week. <laughs> I, I think you you get the honorary, honorary man of the people because uh, that seems in line with a lot of what I saw from people on social media there as well. So uh, it's an interesting debate and we'll see what the reaction is to who we think are the top five offseason moves. That comes later on in the show, but we got to touch on things from the past couple of weeks. The major thing in the CFL headlines as of late has been the CFL Combine for 2023. 
and I guess, where do we want to start with this? Well, more talk on the combine has been about what we didn't see compared to what we did see. Uh, a lot of seemingly social media outrage over a lack of a live stream of the CFL combine. Uh, Adam, let's go to you here first and get your take on uh, what do you make of that? Is that something you you share that disappointment or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to grow the CFL and the Canadian content in the CFL, the only way you're going to do it is by introducing where these players come from, first of all. Secondly, show what they can actually do in a combine. The NFL does a beautiful job of showing things off and showing things working and doing that sort of thing. It, it doesn't take anything nowadays to make a stream. If I could stream nine games of senior hockey in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Saskatchewan, I'm sure the CFL can figure out a way of doing a much better job than what I can. So what does it take you? It, it, it's literally free advertising, essentially, for the Canadian Football League. You want to make yourself feel like a professional league? This is the way you do it. And to me... I, I hate going and being critical of the CFL all the time. In fact, if I keep doing it, I bet you a certain play-by-play uh, uh, -play guy from my own team might be just blocking me because I'm critical of the CFL. But <laughs> nevertheless, uh, I, I just don't like it. I mean, you have the opportunity to show off your talent and your homegrown talent and why you're showing why you need a national card in a CFL league. Well, hey, maybe it's time you show the national talent and what they can actually do out on the field. Trey, what was your thoughts? Oh, man. I don't even know. Like, it's just another thing to pile on. And I wonder, because you make good points. The NFL's, but the crazy thing is the NFL combine probably outrates the CFL game compared, you know, in some way, because America, well, the Americans are crazy about it, man. So, you know, I just, it's, I hope, I wonder, when are we going to get to the point where we have to realize maybe these broadcast companies don't care about the CFL? You know what I mean? Like, but, but I think that's what we're getting to. I think that's what we're getting to, though. Like, but here's everyone my thing. To... But here's my uh, thing, Trey. We've got yeah. a CFL that the, the TSN doesn't own the broadcast rights to the CFL Combine. They own the rights to the games. The CFL itself can easily put a stream together. You know what? You don't know if a CFL fan base is going to like it till you actually do it. So well, you're 100 right on that. But my point is, I think that we we're getting to the point. Yeah, the CFL could do it, but when are we going to be like, mm, Sportsnet doesn't want anything to do with T uh, with the CFL. CBC doesn't want anything to do with the CFL. Where's this online streaming deal that people have been talking about? I don't think it's coming, and everyone wants to compare us to the MLS. Guess what? They sold out opening weekend. They're getting record numbers from Apple. I, I think we're just getting to the point where the current market is not looking for CFL football, which is a shame. We got four guys here that, you know, we would watch it 24 seven if we could, but how many other people really would. And I think that's the point where we're getting to. Yeah. I would have sat and watched the stream because I work from home. I would do anything to not work and just watch the draft. But, you know, and as would Ryan, would we really be able to stop work and work and watch the draft during the day or combine? You know what I mean? Like if you were out in the field, Adam, you wouldn't be able to really watch it. There's not tons. I mean, you're watching a different kind of combine. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is I just don't think it's there. But again, if you can't know until you try things. And as a CFL, I know maybe the mainstream media doesn't give a rip about what the CFL does, but does the CFL care about what they do? If they do, they should have a stream at the very least. It doesn't have to be amazing quality. I get that. People bash because it's, I would rather if the CFL gets bashed, 
because of poor quality versus nothing at all. Or am I completely wrong in that, guys? Jason, I think you're wrong. Think? Well, sorry, but we can go with someone else. I think you're wrong because everyone thinks it's Bush League already. So if you do a really bad stream, I mean, but anyway, we'll go to our guest. Yeah, so I was I was pretty disappointed that they didn't have a live stream. I know personally in terms of uh, content on the channel last year, I did a lot of uh, CFL draft stuff and um, like specifically the one-on-ones at the Combine that they had in the live stream last year. I took a lot of notes and based a lot of my analysis off of that so um very um it's very disappointing to see that they don't um put that out there this year i think uh, a big problem as well and i think i was reading this on three down nation is that they um were having it in edmonton this year and the facility did not allow for a lot of space to set up like a set to do a live stream so um that could have been an issue but i think um, they should try to find something like they have in the NFL where they always do it in Indianapolis. They should um, you know, try to find one specific place that this happens every year. That way they'll be more prepared to do something. I think they will live stream it in the future, in my opinion. I think they'll um, definitely get back to doing that when it's at other uh, places. But uh, um, very disappointing from you know the CFL's perspective. That um, And I think this is a big problem with the CFL in general, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about the CFL's global uh, partnership. Um, I think that the CFL sometimes half-asses everything. They just really um, don't give anything a chance to really succeed, in my opinion. Like, they don't give it the proper investment and the proper resources. And, of course, it's going to fail. So, you know, I I think that's a big problem with this league. But I will say, um, finishing on a good note here, I will say that Three Down Nation has really picked up the slack, I think, a lot. Um, Over on YouTube, they have a ton of draft interviews, more content than I've ever really seen on the CFL draft in terms of actually getting to meet these prospects. So um, I have really liked that perspective, and uh, I think something good has come out of this. But, uh, again, pretty disappointed with the lack of live stream. Yeah, uh, that's definitely something where we want the CFL to be more accessible everywhere. Chris in the chat is saying make it more accessible to the U.S. You know, the the, talking about the XFL having a decent uh, viewership for a game on cable that was accessible to everyone. Yeah, I think there are ways to make the CFL more accessible and we want to talk about streaming deals and stuff. You know, there's always debate when when are we getting a streaming deal for the CFL? I think we're so far away from that with the way the CFL exists in the digital space right now. Like we need a website that works properly. We need a mobile app that exists in the app store. There's a million things there where the CFL to this point just hasn't invested in the online space. And it seems like that's an outdated approach that needs to be updated going forward. In terms of the combine itself, I don't know if I would care too much personally about seeing a stream of the individual drills, like how high can a guy jump? How much can a guy bench press? I don't think I have the, I mean, I do love statistics and stuff, but I don't know if I have the investment to be able to map those necessarily to, okay, this guy's going to be a star one day. Right. Uh, But something new they did do with the combine this year is they added three days of practice into it. It was a five day combine where they had their usual set of drills and stuff. And they had three days of practice where they pitted the players into teams uh, against each other. And you got to see some on-field experience for that, Um, which I think that's a great idea. I I really like that idea because 
you can only tell so much from drills. And there are a lot of times in sports where we see a disappointment at the draft, right? Of a guy we're hyping up based on what we've seen from him before. And this is now three days of pressure. You put them through, uh, you know, I was reading an article, I think it was three down nation there as well, or no, sorry, on the CFL website, uh, an article by Chris O'Leary talking about this format that basically, you know, guys like Chris Jones were saying, yeah, you see a guy have a bad day, but then you see him have a good day all of a sudden, or you see a guy have a good day, and then you see him suddenly have a bad day. Uh, so I like the format, new format to add the practice in. Jason, what do you think? No, I completely agree about um, making it more about, um, you know, less about like the underwear Olympics with all the, the drills and stuff. You still do that. And obviously you want to hit certain benchmarks for that. But I think ultimately um, we want to see these guys um, and what they can actually do on the field. Right. So, like I said, I really like the one-on-ones at the combine and the, the increased practice time, like you said. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I look at it and I say nobody's ever won the Grey Cup over doing the X amount of bench presses. It, it's just the way it happens. And you know what? The extra practice, you can see how a guy works on a field, how he works with others on a field. Uh, they even had a padded practice. I know that there's a few guys that said, well, what the world? That could get somebody hurt. You know what? You got to see it. Uh, I know that uh, when they took away the padded practices there for a while, the tackling was terrible in the league because nobody could practice with pads on. And I'm glad that they're doing things like that for the rookies and for the young guys coming into the league, because you want to see what they're able to do against other players is similar to them. So if they have a bad combine in pads, but they could bench press 40, I don't care about the bench press. I care about what he did in pads. Trey. Yeah. It's, I guess it's the best way you can like, it's kind of like the N or the NCAA's bowl season, right? They kind of use that for extra games against other players. You can't do, unless you, unless we start having uh use sports bowls, which would actually be kind of cool. You're going to, you, you want more playing time for these guys. Right. And they haven't played since what, like October, if their teams didn't make the playoffs. Right. So I like it, you know, and it gets them more warmed up to do the special drills and the fancy underwear Olympics, you called it. Uh, so, yeah, it's I don't mind it. It'd be cool to see, though, too, right? But, yeah. That's actually a good point. I would like to see a U Sports uh, Bowl. That would be nice to yeah. see all the yeah. all the best of the best players Cap- all together in one thing, right? Get Capital One Bowl every year in Regina, man. Just whatever. <laughs> I would love if we could get to a point, though, with the draft. Like, Jason, I know you said you did a lot of draft content last year. I found for us, for a lot of the stuff for the draft going into it was, and I think a lot of people are the same way, where we know nothing about these guys. Whereas you look at the NHL, the NFL draft, you're talking about the first overall pick a year in advance. You know, you're talking about guys, teams tanking to get these guys, even though apparently Gary Bettman doesn't think that's a thing that's actually (laughs) happening. And and stuff like that right but and i guess yeah even if i personally may not be interested in those individual drills if that leads to us getting more coverage and more content that leads to you know the draft becoming a big event that's what i would love to see i want to see free agency become a bigger event than it already is i want to see the draft become a bigger event you know, that's what let the trade deadline go wild uh let's just have these big events that bring in the viewers right Yes, sir. Right on. Um, anything else on this topic before we move on to the next one? Anybody got anything to add? Who, who is the projected number one? 
Does anyone know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, that's 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 the really the 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 problem with the CFL draft is you're not necessarily picking the best Canadian player, right? You're picking the yeah. best Canadian player that is most likely to come to the CFL. So I mean, that's just it, it's a difficult pick? problem to get around, honestly. Is it Ottawa? Edmonton? Uh, yeah, Ottawa is number one pick. Ottawa, Ottawa has number one. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's you know that's why the CFL draft and even uh, evaluation day. Some guys don't show up to evaluation day because they have NFL opportunities possibly. So how do you all of a sudden go and say, well, the best Canadian combine guy that could be the number one pick is not here because oh he might have an NFL shot. It sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah. But Kurt- in another way, all of us want to see it because. We all want to know kind of on our own opinion. I mean, what we have right now, all I've got for figuring out who the top 10 is, is the day when the CIA, our three down nation essentially goes and says, these are our projected top 10 picks. And I go on to YouTube and start looking up film. That's all I've got to go with. So yeah, no, I, I really hope they show the combine eventually. And that's more than most people would do, right? Most people read the headline, maybe read the article, right? Wait for the names to pop up on social media. And then celebrate when you join the crazy. team. Right? Saskatchewan, man. We'd be crazy. <laughs> For many reasons, Adam. Um, well, we, we, you know, we've discussed a lot about uh, the upcoming Canadian talent and the events around that. Let's talk a little bit about the global talent with the CFL 2.0 initiative uh, that the CFL started a couple of years ago. COVID kind of threw a little bit of a wrench into that plan, I think. But we have seen some global players make an impact. And now we have talk that uh, Randy Ambrosi and the CFL want to collaborate with the LFA in Mexico on upcoming events, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, there was talk of practices maybe in Mexico uh, preseason, maybe a preseason game, an exhibition game, more games there in the future. Um, what do we all think of this situation? You know, that that's much has been made in the past about the CFL 2.0 global initiative. Uh, this is, I think, the closest we're getting to actually seeing the impact of, you know, CFL putting things on in other in other countries uh jason what do you think about uh the potential of this deal so my biggest thing with anything related to this whole global initiative that's that the cfl's got going on is that i don't think they're really giving it like i was saying about the cfl draft they're not giving it the proper uh things it needs to succeed i think if you're going to see any kind of growth in this global program you need to have notable uh, international players making an impact on CFL rosters. And um, no disrespect to guys like Theodric Hansen and um, others that have, uh, you know, shown through so far in the global program, but just there haven't been many guys that have made an impact. And I think, I think the next step in this, honestly, if they actually want to see um, some kind of impact and um, from this is to actually have that as part of the ratio and have, um, global players um, have counted as a starter on their team. So I think that's a big problem um, because, yeah, you have like one or two roster spots reserved for global players, but you just don't see the quality of player um, making an impact on CFL roster. So I think, you know, another thing is I think it could be really uh, expensive for the CFL. Obviously, CFL, the old joke is, stands for cash flow low. I've heard from some people. Um, 
And I think that the CFL needs to be very wise where they're investing their money. Um, and I think that there's a chance that this could blow up in their face if they were to have games down there. Who knows how well attended it would be. Um, you have the NFL trying to get a foothold in Mexico, specifically holding games in Mexico City the last couple of years here. And I think that it's uh, a risky proposition for the CFL. So, I mean, I think on paper, in a dream world, it sounds great um, to get talent from all over the world. But I think that it has a lot of challenges. And I don't know if there's a bright future ahead for this uh, global program the CFL is going on here. Yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. I mean, you look at what the CFL has done in the last little bit with this whole CFL 2.0. Does this count as CFL 3.0? Because 2.0 I really never heard much of other than a couple of guys. I think one came from Japan and what, that I know of that was on the BC Lions uh, kicking roster. And besides a lot of kickers and one defensive end, uh, Theatric Hansen, I haven't really heard of anybody else from these global teams. Uh I, like I say, I just, this partnership with the LFA, I mean, we've heard of partnerships before with the CFL, just ask the rock. I think we had one of those that was starting up at one time. It never went anywhere. Uh, you're right about this whole, the CFL doesn't give the stuff that it needs to succeed, Jason. It doesn't. And uh, to me, worry about growing yourself internally first. You just blew an opportunity with the combine with your own local talent uh, in Canada. Why would you be worrying about what's going on in the LFA when you can't even do proper things in your own country? Uh, so I I get it. I agree hundred percent with you. It's, it hasn't looked good so far on this. And again, maybe, maybe there's something more that I'm not seeing here, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like this idea of them traveling for practices and all in Mexico. I mean, it's pretty nice in the summer in Canada, unless they're doing it in the winter for a getaway. Otherwise I just don't see how this works. Trey. Yeah, um, I was going to I'm glad you mentioned the XFL because I was going to say weren't wasn't everyone up in arms when we were in collaboration with the Rock and XFL. But for some reason, the Mexican League's OK. I don't know. You know, I'm the same way. Like, I think we should focus on the Schooners or whatever 10th team before we start going too far. I do admit, though, I, I, like the NFL could easily add anywhere from four to eight teams. And I could see one being in Mexico. And I could see some Europe teams and I could see St. Louis, I think deserves one back. They could easily add eight teams if the owner at a billion dollars a pop or whatever, $2 billion expansion. Right. So that's the only reason why I could see the CFL doing this by being like, okay, we know some Mexican Mexico city team might be coming in the future. So let's try to get the three down game in there. So when the four down comes in, we can bolt more stallions in a little bit, maybe, I don't know. But other than that, I stay, I think, Got to get the 10th team going. You know, got to get Montreal. I'm glad that Montreal's finally taken care of. We got to get the teams here better. You know, if the marquee teams like Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Ticats, if we're not selling out every game and we're not having our own fans, why are we worrying about, you know, everything else? Right, Ryan? Uh, one thing, though, I just wanted to mention, the largest population and city in all of North America. Anybody know which city it is? probably mexico city yeah that's that's why the cfl is after the market i mean yeah it's it's to the point where they're trying to go and go after a huge huge market but the thing is uh is is there the money that's going to be coming in from this i mean there's so much logistics and so many things to worry about and to be honest 
I don't know if I could trust the current CFL executive to get this done. It, it would be a nice place to have a combine, though, and actually be able to live stream it maybe outside. You know, it's pretty, probably nice there right now. Yeah. As long as they find a facility well, big enough, apparently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the big things that they wanted to do with this global initiative was get all of these streaming deals for the CFL in different countries, right? Which I find ironic given the conversation we just had about not having proper you know, streaming set up for something as simple as the CFL combine and, and really any streaming deal seemingly on the horizon for the CFL here in, in Canada. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm on the same page where, you know, I, I appreciate the grand plans and I see what they're trying to do with this, but I, I'm not seeing the, the, I guess the return value uh, of these plans yet. And I'm hoping we get somewhere you know, Randy Ambrosi's got this ambition for the CFL 2.0. Uh, he's got grand plans for it. And if it comes to fruition and it works out, then kudos to him for the job well done, right? But I think there are a number of issues still here with the, the game, with the content in Canada, that uh, fans are much more focused on wanting to see the CFL resolve than, you know, have them focus on expanding to the global outreach. Anybody have any more thoughts on the uh, global initiative here before we move on? Myself, no. not really. But uh, one thing I did want to bring up, though, it was brought up by the Three Down Nation, uh, that the American TV deal apparently is just going through the lawyers right now to be finalized and signed. Uh, so very interested to hear what that has to involve. Uh, Jason, you got any ideas on that uh, American deal or what you'd like to see in it? Well, I'd like to see a whole load of money going towards the CFL from it, but uh, honestly, you know, I don't know. Like, like I think they basically were making nothing off of the current ESPN deal, so anything would probably be an improvement on that. So I'd be interested to see if it ever gets leaked out, the financial details of how much, because that's ultimately what the CFL needs. They need more money. So, you know, and I think getting into the U.S. television market is uh, one of the main avenues the CFL has to do that, right? Um, yeah, and is it going to be even ESPN? It might be maybe somebody else as well. Although pretty much I think they're the guys that are going to get it in the end, I would think. But uh, Trey, anything on the American deal? Just actually happen. Don't be more like, you know, like I'm just kind of, oh man, I don't even know. My, my um, faith, my lack of faith is disturbing in, in the CFL right now. You know, it just, I don't, between, man, you have to understand, horse, my, my harness racing is probably the only thing more worse than the CFL. So my my two biggest passions in my life just disappoint me on a constant basis. So I got to keep remembering that, you know, something good has to come eventually, right? But I don't know. You're right. It has to be ASPN, ABC you would think because every other one's tied up with usfl or xfl and you don't know what they might have for exclusivity deals i don't think we're getting an apple deal like mls you know i don't I, you know so i don't know what about what about uh, amazon prime i mean yeah. look what they paid for uh, for thursday nights in the nfl last year do you think they got their money's worth for that they're making Al Michaels do CFL games now. <laughs> oh, that's so brutal, man. And then every time they have to show Bezos on the on the camera with talking to Goodell every Thursday, it's like gay. Oh yeah. I felt you bad know, for I... Al Michaels last year. Like, oh, that's like he would like for years this guy's doing the most marquee game 
every week, but then he's, you know, the shitty, um, excuse my language, uh, bad uh, Thursday night game. <laughs> I was the first one to swear. You know how hard it is for me not to swear? I'm a trucker, and I try so hard. So thank God someone else did. So now I can later. (laughs) Wait, that's not how this works. Uh, No, it's okay. It's all good. Um, Any thoughts on it? Yeah, that Denver-Seattle game last year on Thursday night was the worst football game, I think. Well, that's not true. I've seen some CFL games in garbage weeks when, you know, games didn't mean anything anymore where backups played that that may have been uh lower down in that regard <laughs> i did see a tweet this week uh, on similar to this topic from i believe uh, somebody who works for genius sports showing that they were in the cfl on tsn offices working on the video experience for uh cfl games on tsn that is the first time i have seen anything from genius sports since they were announced as this partner that was going to overhaul the entire, uh, you know, CFL, I guess, on-screen presence there. So maybe there's something in the works there that we'll, we'll see come to fruition when, you know, they hit the field this season. But it's like, can we promote this better? You know, if that is the case, like, I'll be excited, but I'll also be kind of disappointed if, you know, you, you made us think you weren't doing anything for a year or two and then surprise, here we go. New experience, like provide people updates along the way is my thoughts on that. Uh, Adam, Jason, any, any thoughts on the genius sports uh, potentially coming into play this year? I guess rock, paper, scissors, and who goes first? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were muted. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm uh you know what, anything that can help the league or improve something. I know for a fact that uh, I really like how I've seen uh, a certain new league go and have a little bit about officiating and reviews and showing how they determine a review. That's really cool. And I hope that the CFL is learning and going to be taking some of these things to heart. If it's a part with Genius Sports and they can uh, make little improvements or give recommendations that'll make the game better, hey, anything they can do, if it's in the background or in uh, in person and they want to give genius sports the credits i don't care just just do it that's all i can say on that part uh jason i got one suggestion for them and it's a very simple one just add timeouts to the damn uh um interface of the broadcasts like how outdated is that like how, how long have uh nfl broadcasts had timeouts like like it's it's just a simple step um i think yeah, that's one thing that really stands out to me when I watch CFL games. Can I also add one more then? I want player introductions and where they're from. Individual players. Yeah. Come on. Like the the CKRM podcast or the uh, radio broadcast in Regina can do them. I'm pretty sure the CFL can do them for, on TSN. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say about the timeouts. I agree it should be on there, but is it just how insignificant they are to the Canadian game? Like, is yeah, that really what true. it comes down that's to? True. Because it's not like the NFL where you, you know, time out, it's a big deal and you get the whole game rides on it. Right. So I that's probably their thought process behind it, but you're yeah. right. They should be there, but that's yeah. All. yeah. The biggest impact timeouts seem to have a lot of times is when a team tries to challenge and forgets they have a timeout, right. <laughs> or don't have a timeout <laughs> and it impacts things there. Uh, Richard in our YouTube chat here uh, wants to know if we have any reactions to the Hall of Fame inductees this year. Uh, Solomon Al-Mimian, John Bowman, Josh Bork, 
uh, Lloyd Fairbanks and Larry Crawford named the uh, the five. Uh, I believe that's five that I just rattled off. Yes, it is. Uh, inductees into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, Jason, any thoughts on those? Yeah, just a great group of players. Like Solomon Alamimian's probably like the best defensive player I've seen in my time watching the CFL. At least the most dominant season I've ever seen. That MOP season. Um, just incredible uh, career from him, and he's continuing to be a part of the CFL as part of the the union in his post playing career. And um, the two Alouettes guys that get in Burke and uh, Bowman, like those Alouettes teams were just so uh, synonymous with uh, the CFL, in my opinion, like when I was growing up and uh, um, just, it's, you know, very worthy induction to the hall of fame is all I got to say. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Schultze got in, right. I think I saw at the bottom there. Yeah, uh, he's in the media yeah. Wings, so. yeah. Congrats. Yeah. You know, yeah. Aluminium. I was actually, because he's still the president of the PA, right? I was like thinking he was almost still playing, but when I saw that he was, I keep seeing him in the news. I'm like, all oh, right, he's not playing anymore. Uh, but yeah, no, it's good to see these guys get in. And Bowman, you know, I remember that's a name you kind of recognize. And of course, Schultze, everyone loves Schultze, right? The, yeah. On the topic, RIP Bud Grant. I don't think we've had an episode since uh, since his passing too. And uh, someone, I said, my girlfriend was like, who's that? And I was like, that's the statue outside the stadium. And you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah no uh i'm the same way i mean john bowman still keeps me up at night every time he used to play the saskatchewan rough riders he used to absolutely dominate them uh we won't talk about 209 though anyways uh yeah no they're they're such a worthy induction of uh great guys in there larry smith i mean he was he was the commissioner of the cfl forever i mean also uh just just a generally great guy as well to be in that uh hall of fame crew uh, and of course you said it earlier, uh, Trey, Chris Schultz, I mean, man, that, that guy there was just something else in the, uh, in the, on CFL and TSN. I mean, it hit between him and, uh, uh, Matt Dunnigan and Jock Climey as much as sometimes I didn't like Climey because he used to go and remind, uh, us Saskatchewan fans, what he thought of us, uh, <laughs> or even like I say, uh, Dave Randorf. I mean, all those guys in that crew, I remember, uh, I'll tell you a quick little story about uh, 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 Chris Schultz, the guy, because in 2010, the first game of the season was the Alouettes and the Rough Riders, and I got to go to the game in Saskatchewan. That was that uh, 56-50 shootout that happened. Uh, It was an overtime win. And Schultz was talking to fans just right beside the TSN tent, and he, I walk by and he says, hey, what's the score going to be? He was trying to ask and see what the score was going to be from everybody. And I said to him, Riders are going to come back. They're going to win it in overtime. He says, geez, that's a weird prediction, but okay. Sure enough, Riders came back. They won it in overtime. So I'm walking by the tent on the way back to the, to the vehicle. And he says to me, hey, you're the guy that predicted the overtime win. I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, come on over okay so i was visiting you get them going and visiting with schultzy and managed to get my picture at the t in the uh sitting at the tsn panel uh desk and it was just it was just awesome and the guy just absolutely adored fans and adored football and uh yeah it's kind of uh it was sad how things happened with chris but uh yeah he he was definitely a guy worthy of being in the hall of fame that for sure and especially especially in the media one that's a great story. I love that story. He told us that to us, I think, earlier this week in our group chat. And I uh, love Schultz. He's one of the best personalities there was uh, on TSN there for sure. 
Uh, in terms of the, yeah, the rest of the nominees there, I mean, for me, it's exciting to see guys like Solomon L. Mimian and John Bowman in there, you know, as a guy who became a, you know, I've been a CFL fan probably what in the last decade and a half. And I don't honestly have a lot of knowledge of the history earlier on in the CFL. So most of the time when you see these nominees, it's okay, guys, I know people have told me were really good, but did I know why they were really good necessarily myself no i didn't watch them play so i think it's cool to see a guy like elamimian that we watched dominate for so many years in in bc over there at the linebacker position or john bowman you know for many years there as well i think it's cool to start seeing some of those guys joining in the hall of fame here ryan when you start knowing the players going into the hall of fame it means they're getting old i know i know (laughs) Thanks for reminding me, Trey. No, man, just wait. Just wait, man. And that's the well, oldest guy on the podcast. Thanks, Trey. Anytime. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm the youngest guy on the podcast. So if you're calling me Are you old, younger than me? I think we established I'm a couple we... months younger than you. So, okay. you know. 90, I'm the... born in 95. Oh, man. Yeah. You guys are making me feel older and older <laughs> every minute. Yeah, as as the youngest on the podcast, every time you call me old, you're just calling yourselves older. So, uh, well, oh, speaking, it's because you're so tall, man. I just, I don't know. Uh, it's true. This guy could play. I don't know why he's talking football. He should be on the court, man. You should. I don't know. I played Anyways. basketball for a bit. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah, it wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> turns out height doesn't equate talent. Who no. knew? Um, well, we were talking about Hall of Famers, perfect transition over to talking about a guy that I am touting belongs in the Hall of Fame one day, uh, and that's Nathan Rourke. <laughs> uh, Nathan Rourke and McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Rourke goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I believe the New Orleans Guardians in the USFL. Uh, supposedly both taking pay cuts to play in the U.S. I think it was Rick Campbell this week talking about how Rourke's making something like 220000 guaranteed this year with the Jaguars. Could have made more of that than that if he played, stayed in the CFL. Uh, Bethel Thompson made around 450000 last year and is making, I think, just 56000 uh in the USFL this upcoming season. To me... Bethel Thompson makes sense because he said he wanted to go there, be close to his family, right? Uh, you know, he's played a couple of years in the league, made made a decent salary there. And really for him, the, the bulk of why he went to the USFL was the uh, to be closer to home and spend time with his family. But uh, to me, the most interesting is the Nathan Rourke side of things because it looks like he's second string at best, third string most likely over in Jacksonville. Uh, We see guys often, you know, they want to go down south. They're fine holding a clipboard there to get a bigger payday, right? They want to get that payday. But now it's kind of not the case. This is kind of the inverse of that. Uh, Jason, what do you think about, uh, I guess, these guys taking their pay cuts to go play in the U.S.? Well, I think they're two different situations, like you said. So I think that McLeod Bethel-Thompson, he's just a different guy. Uh, let's just remember, he was basically the only CFL quarterback to play during the canceled 2020 season. He went down and played in the spring league. Um, so he's a very interesting guy. Like um, like you said, I think he wanted to be closer to his family. I believe they said his wife works for Marvel or something like that. That's a, that's a pretty crazy uh, career there. So um, I think it makes sense for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. 
Uh, but I also think it does make sense for Nathan Rourke as well because um, he's still a young guy. He's still 24 years old or something like that. You never know when the NFL will stop come calling. Um, and he could always go back to the CFL. The CFL will always be an option for him, um, even if he has to take less guaranteed money in the short term to uh, get an opportunity in the NFL. And I, I just don't think that um, – I think there's this still a pretty good chance that he wins out and uh, becomes the backup there. I think um, C.J. Beathard is definitely not secure in the number two job. Um, and um, so I'm really excited to see what he can do down there. And I think it made sense for both both guys, like I said. No, I agree. And uh, you look at how, why both of them are doing it. I mean, you're right. It's personal reasons for McCall Bethel Thompson wants to be closer to home. He's not making any more in the CFR. He's not going to make anywhere near what he would in the CFL. It's I think $53,000, I think U S versus 400 plus probably in Canada. I mean, it, I know Canadian dollars, U S dollars, but it ain't that much difference. Uh, so you know what? Good on him. He wants to do something. It's personal reasons. He wants to be closer to his family. Hey, family's everything go do what you got to do i get that uh nathan rourke he is a guy that's an ultimate competitor he wants to play on the biggest show and the biggest lights and when you're a young man and that's what your goal is in life is to be the best why don't you take your shot when you can take your shot see an nfl team will give you your opportunity i hope he gets his opportunity now especially now that he's probably going to be third string on a uh pretty good jacksonville jaguars team with a uh with a guy like, uh, oh my gosh, my brain just went and farted right now. Um, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. I Yeah, sorry. Uh, a guy like Trevor Lawrence is in front of him. The only way I'm sure that he's getting in is via injury or trade or something like that. But you know what? I hope he goes and plays a great training camp and wins out. And you know what? Hey, he's not worried about the money. And that's that's the cool thing about some of these guys nowadays. They want the opportunity. They want the big game. They want the they want the the pride of being the best player out there, and that's cooler than anything. I mean, I I don't ever like seeing guys go to free agency because these guys wouldn't give me twenty grand more than what I should have been paid. To me, I'd rather see the guy go and play for the light, play for the play for the jersey in front of him instead of the going and playing for the paychecks. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, paychecks also important, but he knows he's going get, to get paid really well no matter where he goes. So why not take the biggest shot that you can? Right, Trey? Oh, 100%. You have to remember, Tom Brady was, what, a seventh-round draft pick, and he only started because of an injury, and I think he was higher-ranked as a baseball prospect. So, you know, <laughs> so I think you, you take your shot. And, and you know, as we saw in the Nathan Rourke farewell speech, the CFL was a, what, unforeseen obstacle or detour or something. Even though he's Canadian, he went to, a, like, an American school – he never wanted to play in the CFL. Like, you know, today, if the if NFL came calling, I'll go be a water boy in the NFL over playing in the CFL. Man, you just take the big shot. Yes, guaranteed dollars isn't there, but, you know, Trevor Lawrence is one hit away from Nathan Rourke, and we don't know what's in that for playing bonuses. We don't know what's in there elsewise. Like, he could make way more. He could get signed to more. And, you know, even if he has a couple good seasons down there, then that could even increase his value in Canada when he returns, right? There's no guarantee he'll go back to BC. There could be an all-out bidding war for him. And he might, you know, and Ambrosi might have to put a freaking uh, cap thing on him to be like, hey, whoever wants to pay him $5 million, whatever, I don't care anymore, you know, to get him back here. So you got to take your shot. And, yeah, and I think he'll be number two. Bethard's, I think I had him on my fantasy team one year. I don't know why. And it was garbage. 
Hey, one quick question though for you guys, and I'll get each one of you to answer real quick. Tom Brady in his prime as a catcher in the Montreal Expos, would you try to go and steal against him? This is a baseball question. I pass. <laughs> yes, because Brady was supposed to be a catcher in the Expos. Would you try to steal on Tom Brady? Do I get the new base sizes or is it re- like new ones? No, no, no. Retro, same thing. As oh, well. no. You got to give me the new ones, man. Maybe I have a shot. Pitch clock? No. Jitch, <laughs> <laughs> would you run, try to steal on no. Tom Brady? It, the, it could be a pass ball and I'm not going. I'm planted on first, man. It could go, it could be one of those really old diamonds that the ball just rolls for like 20 feet to the backstop. I'm not going. I'm with Ryan. I'm not a baseball guy either. So I think this is not my uh, area of expertise. <laughs> I'm also not a runner at all. So I'm not taking my chances. I, I always forget he was a catcher. But then when you look at his arm, you if you if you watch, if you're into baseball, then you see it. There's a, that's why like Mahomes was a baseball player. Wilson was a baseball player. Oh, there's a couple other ones of them. Michael I thought Jordan they're all was a baseball player. Ah, I, I don't care. He, if he I also played with Bugs Bunny. So, you know, let's just not to worry about Jordan there, but I don't care if I was Billy Mays. I don't think I would try to oh. run and try to try to get uh, Tom Brady on Good a run kid. down. I think Mahomes, could you imagine hitting a ball off of Mahomes? Cause I think he was a pitcher. I think, yeah, he's a pitcher. Yeah. Could you awesome. imagine that? Oh, and then he's doing that dive too. Oh my God. No, thank you. Otani hitting a hundred's bad enough. I don't need my homes, man. All right, bring it back. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> hey, opening day on Thursday, man. Or I'm it's hype. All right, perfect. Baseball season back in action. CFL season around the corner here as well. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people in the CFL circles are disappointed to see Nathan Rourke obviously leave the CFL to go to a spot where he's going to be the second or third string. And, and you know, we had high hopes for him, and he had so many different. Uh, tryouts in the States that we thought maybe he's getting into a starter or a potential 1A, 1B situation. So I think a lot of people are disappointed in that, but I think it's still, you know, I would love to have him up here in Canada. I think he could make a ton of money for whichever team is willing to pay him that much. And I think he could have a very successful career, make a huge name for himself here. Whereas is he going to make that as the second, third string in Jacksonville? No, but I think it's a big thing for him to get his feet in the door Uh, of the NFL there because I think it sets him up far better for future NFL opportunities, unfortunately, than than his time here in Canada does, right? I I know the NFL perception of the CFL is getting a little better in the last couple of years, I think, with more guys getting shots, but I I think that NFL experience, whether it's holding clipboard, you know, practice experience is going to be valuable for Rourke going forward here as well. Uh, anybody have any additional thoughts on uh, on this topic before we get into our top five countdown? Well, I think if it doesn't work out for Rourke in the NFL, I think he's going to get the Casey Printers deal when he comes back to the, you know, Casey Printers got a boatload of money when he, he came back. Obviously, the Ticats were the ones to give it to him. Um, but, um, you know, I think, like, there's so many opportunities for Rourke still. Um, he's still so young. And like I said, the CFL is always an option for him. I wonder how I wonder how long he does. Let's say it doesn't work out in Jacksonville. How long does he try out different NFL opportunities? Like, yep. is there a world where we see see Nathan Rourke come back in September and join a CFL team for the stretch drive? Could you imagine? I, yeah. I think that would be the is biggest. Twenty four. Is he twenty four? Something like that. Yeah. I'll give him. I'll give him the twenty seven. 
And then he because look at Caleros. Caleros is thirty three and he's still or thirty four. Yeah. He's slinging it. We don't know what Bo can do. Brady played till forty, I think, or forty seven, whatever he is. Rogers thinks he can go. It modern day football, the quarterback can easily play till forty if he's not taking hits, right? So. I'd give him 27, 28, and then, yeah, some CFL team's going to offer him a complete guaranteed four-year deal till he's 32, and he'll be fine. And then after that, it's whatever, right? Can't offer more than a two-year deal unless he's with your team, though, so, you know. Uh, we, well, yeah, you can, offer, you can offer a three-year deal. I think it's just the guaranteed, guaranteed money. money. Okay. Oh, the guaranteed yeah, story. Yeah, whatever. Right. You're right. But, you yeah, know, I read that you know CBAs could change by then. You know, who knows? You know, and uh, whatever. Offer him a 10-year deal. It's Nathan Rourke. You know, I think they can make an exemption for that to make sure he doesn't go back to the NFL and he can end up in Ryan's Hall of Fame, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. in that case, I hope somebody offers him the Casey Printers deal. And, uh, Jason, how did the Casey Printers turn out in uh, Hamilton? <laughs> uh, not, not so well. Not so well. And then uh, we release him, and then a couple years later, he comes back with BC and beats us in a playoff game. So uh, that was lovely. That's how it works, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's the, right, the, uh, riders, the riders could offer Strevy that deal, right, Adam? <laughs> you just had to go there, didn't you? Just had to dig you, it in. You think, you think Strevy really wants to play with Rogers? I think he'd rather go to Regina than play with Rogers, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's get to the countdown. Yes. <laughs> All right, then that's the number one. Strevy not coming to the CFL is my number one move right now. Just. Always finding a way to upset the apple cart here with oh, the that's not it. No. All well, right, I mean, let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. The top five off-season roster moves will take turns going from five all the way up to number one. Uh, last time out, we had very loose criteria. It was everybody comes up with whatever criteria you want. Uh, this time, we, we reined it in a little bit. So uh, we're talking about uh off-season roster moves that teams have made so not guys like nathan rourke going to the nfl i don't think should be included in that uh unless anybody still doesn't have a have it on your list and doesn't have an audible then i'll allow it uh because this is live um but uh that would not count in my opinion and really it's you know which moves do you think are going to make the biggest positive impacts on their teams going forward here into the 2023 season now jason you chose this topic we gave you a couple of different topics to choose from you said you wanted to do this one why did this one stand out to you as uh as one you wanted to discuss well for me i uh it's very fresh in my mind because on my channel i've been doing um free agent recap videos for every team going over all of their moves that they they brought in their additions subtractions key re-signing so uh, i thought that was why i would why i chose that um so yeah it's very fitting and i recommend everybody go ahead and check out all of your your great off-season content over on the youtube channel there as well I'll put up on the video screen for anybody as well go to youtube.com slash at hussies huddle subscribe over there as well uh for more of jason's content and uh well as our esteemed guest this evening we'll let you kick off the countdown what do you have uh, at your number five off-season roster move thus far. So this one might surprise some people, but this is one player I've been high on for years in the CFL, and uh, that is defensive back Luchez Purifoy going to the Edmonton Elks. And people may have missed this one because Purifoy was actually uh, released prior to free agency by the BC Lions. He was kind of a cap casualty there. 
Um, and then he was almost immediately picked up by Edmonton along with AC Leonard, um, so who was another cap casualty. So I thought that Purifoy is just the perfect addition for Edmonton. He's the perfect Chris Jones player. In fact, I think Chris Jones may have brought him into the CFL when he was uh, in Saskatchewan years ago. Um, I think he's the perfect fit for uh, Chris Jones. He can play safety. He can play half. He can play strong side linebacker slash dime. Um, I think he's just a very capable player and that Swiss Army Knife player that uh, is really, really going to fit in with Chris Jones's defense in Edmonton. I'm great pick to start things off. Uh, Trey, let's go over to you next. Interesting and interestingly enough, same team, opposite side of the ball. I'm going to go Eugene Lewis to the Elks. I really like this because I think they just because we were talking about Cornelius Cornbread himself. I think he needs some more options better than. Um, Devon, Deron Carter, you know what I mean? Like here or, or that quarterback that seems to play every position other than quarterback there. Right. So, you know, he needs some more options. I think Edmonton's going to be better this year. You include the defensive one that was just made. You need to put up points though to win. Right. Uh, so we'll go with Eugene Lewis, Adam. Well, mine isn't the Edmonton Elks. Uh, they might come up later, but um, no, my pick here was something that needed to be upgraded on a team majorly. And I mean, Obviously, I think we all know what team I cheer for, so we had to add them right at number five. And I had two players I could have picked from. It was either Philip Blake or it was Peter Godbear. And to me, I went with Peter Godbear because you're also changing of the guard at the center position. Dan Clark has been there forever in Saskatchewan. He's been a big staple of being what's all about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in that offensive line. And this is a sign to them that, hey, things are about to change and that they need to make some changes here in that offensive line, either guy. And I mean, yes, I'm cheating a little bit because yeah, that's how I wanted to say it was the riders old line. But to me, the riders did the right thing. They got the new center that they need in Peter Godber. And I think that that's what the biggest signing of the riders was going to be this year. All right. So we've got the defensive back wide receiver and offensive lineman. My number five top off season move uh, thus far, I'm going to wide receiver as well. And I'm going, going to be the first one to pick a re-signing here. And that's Nick Dembski in Winnipeg to me, I think is one of the biggest. Uh, I would consider Nick Dembski the most, if not one of the most dynamic offensive players in the CFL. Uh, the reason for a lot of the Bombers offensive success is Nick Dembski, I think, and the way they utilize him through you know, the long game and receiving, you know, the short dump passes, the sweeps, the rushes that, that they use them in, it opens up a lot for the offensive point calling. And I put him mostly in here because there was, you know, he wasn't signed for a while. And I earnestly thought Nick Kademski was going to get a big payday to go somewhere else. Uh, I think that was of all the re-signings the Bombers made this year, I, I would put Nick Kademski at the most important one there for me. So I have him in at number five on my list. Uh, let's move up to number four on the list here. Trey, let's go to you to start off this round. Who do you have? I am uh, going to the West Coast. I got the BC Lions adding a little bit to their offensive line and Michael Couture at my number four. Again, you now have, a you know, Adams played the majority of the season, but now, you, you know, you got a quarterback who – you know, it's really getting the first strings for this team for the first time since he's been there. You know, you need an O-line, as Adam would know, right? You, you, your quarterback needs an O-line to do anything, right? So 
you know, you need to get the big mamas on the line. That's a perfect piece for BC to have. Uh, which way are we going now? Oh, let's go well, to you okay, next. Well, yeah, I can go next. Uh, this is where I added the Edmonton Elks. And, uh, you know, last year they had a pretty good team. And, I mean, you look at what they've done in their offense this year. I really like most of their picks. Lots of guys returning. But the big one I do like is Eugene Lewis. Uh, he adds an extra piece to that uh puzzle after losing Kenny Lawler to Winnipeg. He's the guy that's going to fit in for him. He's a number one receiver. Uh, Taylor Cornelius has that extra guy. He's got a great offense now with him. And if they can work a little bit on that offensive line or they can bring in some guys for the offensive line, they'll be a great uh, team. They've done lots of stuff on the defense, but the big thing for me is they they have to have that bona fide number one guy. Uh, and I think Eugene Lewis can definitely be him. Jason, over to you. So my number four is uh, defensive end Sean Lemon of the BC Lions. Um, obviously, the West Division, most outstanding defensive player last season. Um, I don't think he's the best defensive end in the league or anything like that, but I just really love the fit in BC. Um, he's played there before. They got a good rotation on that defensive line, so he won't be asked to do too much. Um, but I think this could raise the ceiling of that defense. They already have a great secondary, great linebacking core. I think BC has the chance to be the best defense in the CFL next season, and I think the Lemon addition will help them uh, potentially be in that conversation. Yeah, Sean Lemon, this is what, his third, fourth time going to BC? I mean, uh, he's taking the Kevin Glenn bingo card and trying to come, like, do do the blackout on the bingo card, right? Fill every space, uh, I guess, double. He's trying to win twice. It seems uh, he's close, right? He only needs like one or two more teams to, to complete the Kevin Glenn tour. Uh, we'll see if he gets there. Uh, for my pick in uh, my fourth best offseason move thus far, I am sticking along the defensive line. And Jason, I'm going to your team here, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We're talking about uh, additions that are going to make the most positive impact on a team. Well, congrats. Your Ticats are going to the Grey Cup this year because they brought in Jagarrett Davis, who's been to six straight Grey Cups and has never missed one in his career. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, that is a huge force to add to the defensive line on the field and, you know, just his history of making it to the Grey Cup. I, uh, I couldn't help but put him in my top five list here. That has to be scripted. <laughs> That can't be one guy six. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's one of the most insane stats, I think. The six straight trips to the Great Cup. My goodness. Uh, I'll I'll kick off the the third round here, uh, and I'll stick on the defensive line, and I'll echo a lot of what Jason just mentioned. I'm going with Sean Lemon in BC. Uh, you know, was the sack leader last season, I believe. Uh, kind of surprising that it took until like a week or two into free agency for him to actually sign anywhere when a lot of the major pieces did sign right away. Um, I think he is one of the most integral pieces. I also think it's a huge upgrade for the BC Lions defensive line. And, you know, they, we just got news that Steven Richardson won't be playing again this year, unfortunately. Uh, so bringing in a guy like Sean Lemon in is a, uh, a huge addition there. And, and uh, I'm disappointed in all the other teams for not putting a better effort into to bringing Sean Lemon into the fold, it seems. Uh, Adam, let's go to you here. 
Yeah, I I wanted to just throw one in here because I was thinking of him earlier. Was I don't know if he's going to make it or not. Uh, there's a certain guy from Winnipeg as a receiver that I think uh, is pretty good. But uh, the guy that I've got for number three actually uh, played receiver at first and then got transferred over by a certain Chris Jones to a defensive lineman and uh, was signed as a free agent as well. That would be A.C. Leonard of the well, no, Edmonton Elks. I got to get used to saying that. Uh, the guy is an absolute beast. He's a motor. He can play hard. He was injured a lot last year. Uh, had an arm injury of some sort and just couldn't quite uh, kind of shake it off. And uh, I think this year here, especially being released after having a big, big contract, uh, I think that uh, he's going to be wanting to come back and absolutely dominate again for the Edmonton Elks. And again, he's got the guy that converted him over to defensive line to help him out. So I I think it's a great fit for Edmonton. I think they made a big pickup there. And uh, yeah, AC Leonard for me. Uh, Jason? Oh, I, I completely agree. He was very close to making my list. Um, but at number three for me, I'm going with uh, a guy that you guys have mentioned a couple times here, and that's Eugene Lewis of the Edmonton Elks. I think the important thing to note here with Edmonton is, yes, they're paying Eugene Lewis a lot of money. I think he's going to be the highest paid non-quarterback in the CFL this season. I think it was like 320K. Uh, But the key thing to remember here is they're not really paying their quarterbacks that much money. I think uh, Cornelius is, um, I don't think it's more than 200K and then Trey Ford's on the rookie deal. So I think you got to spend the money somewhere to elevate these quarterbacks that haven't quite made it in the CFL as, you know, solid, solidified starters. So I think this gives uh, the Edmonton offense a chance uh, to succeed next season and really raise the floor. Maybe you get that big breakout from Ford or Cornelius this year. Really excited to see um, Eugene Lewis with Edmonton. I hate to argue, but I thought Cornelius did get some bigger deal because I remember when we talked about it months ago and like, my face, my jaw dropped when you told me, but I can't remember how much it was now. But I remember my jaw just hit the ground. I don't know about April, but I don't think it was as one of the top paid ones. No, it wasn't top paid, but it was still ridiculous for whatever. Anyway, my number three. Well, we're going to Ryderville. Let's go. Um, not the quarterback balls he said you were gonna get, but a quarterback nonetheless. I'm gonna go with Harris to Saskatchewan. I. I and does it have to be positive outlook? Because this could be negative too, right? Like this could be just, you know, Titanic in Saskatchewan. You guys need a new play-by-play. You might need an all new online. You might need a new quarterback. You know, you, you, Gaynor might be the only one safe, and I don't even know about him at this point. You know, he's not quite the same. Uh, he's, he's getting up there in years too. But, you know, I think Harris, it's, it's a coin flip either way how it's going to go. But I think it's either going to go Saskatchewan might be – third or second and they're doing pretty good or they're going to be the you know they're like oh I thought we were going for Connor Bedard you know that's kind of the two ways I think Saskatchewan are going to go this year on a side note if we lose Gainer I'm taking pigskin Pete (laughs) (laughs) man I need a gig man if you need a new play-by-play I got the hat we're good we're good (laughs) I wonder if he knows anything more than Noski wee wee Yeah, when are we adding? Uh, when are we adding mascots into free agency? <laughs> when can they start trading teams? Matt, all uh, I think about the old the old NCAA game. You could play as the mascots, and I think they kind of have it on the new NHL games. It's unreal. <laughs> so just <laughs> love it, love it. 
All right, we've given five, four, and three, so we're on to our top two each. Uh, Adam, you kick us off this time. Who's your number two uh, off-season move? Well, my number two off-season move is going to seem like a little bit of a surprise because, well, it probably is. But in the CFL, the biggest piece that I always see is Canadian offensive linemen. They're extremely valuable. And to me, the best Canadian offensive lineman was signed very early in the uh, offseason here. It's Drew Desjardins of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Here's my thing. You needed more protection for Jeremiah Mazzoli last year. You didn't have much of a run game. This guy will give you both of those in a heartbeat as long as you've got the pieces around him. And I think Ottawa does have some very good pieces around him to help him out. He's going to make a lot of difference. You're going to find for Jeremy Mazzoli to get the next guy open, especially now that they've got guys like Shaq Evans as their uh, uh, receivers. So to me, I really, really love that move. Uh, I kind of was jealous of it uh, because I wanted Saskatchewan to sign him so bad. Didn't happen, but uh, good on Ottawa. Desjardins, uh, I think, is going to be a big pickup for that Red Block team. I got. I got to say, I didn't have him on my list. I completely forgot about him because I was looking at the, you know, February fourteenth and onwards. And like you said, he was signed earlier. Now I wish I would have added him to my list. So great pick there, Adam. Was uh, he with the Pats in the NFL? Was it the Pats? Yeah. 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 yeah, he, he, yeah he's got the Belichick with him. That's a big pickup. Yeah, I agree. I forgot him too. And former Winnipeg Blue Bomber. Don't forget yeah. that. Yeah. 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 For sure. Uh, Trey, well, who do you have at number two? Well, I'm going to Oski Weewee Land. Speaking of them, Mister buys a house in Regina somehow, but then goes to Hamilton. I'm going to go with Slow Mo Bo. Um, you know, again, I think this could be either. This is like two, two and three could be interchangeable. This could either be way good, and Hamilton is you know winning the Grey Cup at home, or Bo's going to have Tommy John surgery by preseason week two you know what i mean like his arm's gonna be done it's either or and i think that could be well i get you got some good backups but you kind of did pay a pretty penny to bow you know you, you kind of have to go with him i guess if he's hurt i don't know about his salary cap if you i hire him but anyway regardless you got to go with bow i don't know with with chad kelly in toronto i know he's my number one you never know what's happening in montreal and ottawa you, you know Bo could be the best quarterback in the East right now, and you know it's his to his to win or lose. Jason, who do you have? Another oh yeah, team? yeah. Right. So it's funny you say that, Trey. Um, I actually have Bo as my number two as well, uh, and I hesitantly put him there because of all the factors that you just said. I think there's a decent chance that this just completely blows up in the Tire Cats' face, and it doesn't work out. But, um. In my opinion, what's the alternative? The alternative was running it back with uh, Dane Evans, or is it bringing in Trevor Harris in free agency? I think that Levi represents more of a big swing, um, and it brings a lot of positive energy into the building. I'm really, really excited to see what he can bring to the table, and maybe that switch to the East Division um, where you're playing, no offense, a lower level of, of competition a lot of the time. Uh, in the CFL, I think could be very beneficial for Bo. And uh, sometimes you see it all the time in this league. Uh, guys change uh, teams, and they're just completely different players. So I'm really excited to see uh, him and Hamilton. Really like the Desjardins pick as well, Adam. Um, he's a guy that's uh, went to my alma mater, University of Windsor. I think he's the only Windsor Lancer in the CFL. So um, got to represent. And, uh, um, yeah, I think Bo is just uh, – a solid addition. I think it does have 
the opportunity to be the most impactful offseason addition this offseason for sure. Adam's winning a uh, pick of the draft here so far with the Drew Desjardins pick. A lot, a lot of praise, but uh, yeah, believe by Mitchell going top two here in a couple of slots uh, for my round two pick. I'm going to close, close off the book here on Eugene Lewis and make it four across the board. Interestingly, we all have him at a different spot in our top five, but we all do have him in the top five. I have him at number two because one of the teams I'm most impressed with this offseason is the Edmonton Elks and the way they have improved that wide receiver core for Taylor Cornelius. And I looked at it and, you know, Eugene Lewis is the cream of the crop there. And and I think he is the best free agent that was available and went to a team that had the biggest need uh, at the position there. So uh, give me Eugene Lewis as my number two slot here as well. Uh, and then we move on to our number one off-season moves. Uh, Trey, let's go to you to kick this one off. Okay. You know what? And uh, this is my biggest move because it was also under the table, apparently. Lawler to Winnipeg. Um, we got to go. I think coming back to add him to the already stacked Winnipeg Blue Bomber offense or offensive uh, core there, that's just a cherry on top, like, Caleros is a kid at a toy store. He doesn't know what to play with out there, right? He's got Oliveira in the backfield with, um, if he still has Augustine, he's got McCray. If they're still on the team, he's got all those other guys out wide. And now you got Lawler. You know, there's no reason that Bailey, Dembski, Lawler, one of them's going to be open every play. But I think just add that addition to Lawler just made the team go unreal. And they have, like, in a normal year, that salary cap is, like, what, $3 million, that receiving team right there but somehow it's not wink wink nudge nudge you know wade miller but i'm gonna go with lawler all right that rounds out your list here adam who do you have at number one i have the gentleman that i can't believe uh jason is not wearing a number 19 instead of a number 86 it's both levi mitchell he's the most impactful guy if he has a great season he's going to be the biggest impact to be the reason why hamilton wins a great cup if he doesn't win a great cup if they don't make it past the regular season, the pressure's all on him. If he doesn't make it even into the playoffs or just into one round of playoffs or not even into the Great Cup, it's going to be considered a massive failure on that side. They just, there's nothing that they can do on Hamilton's side to not have this be the biggest thing. He's given a lot of money. He's given the team he wants. He's got everything going that he needs to have going for him to win a Great Cup at home in Hamilton. The pressure's on. Don't worry. Saskatchewan learned all about the pressure about having a host of the Great Cup. Uh, Bo Levi's going to have all that pressure on him this year. Whatever he does, it's going to have an impact on that Hamilton team for many years to come because they're going with an all-in push. This means that they're keeping their veterans. They're keeping everything around them so that they can have that last chance to break up. And I think it's Hamilton's almost last opportunity this year with the current team that they have to win a great cup. And if Bolivar doesn't do it, it's going to be ugly. If they, if he does it, Hamilton will celebrate that victory and probably start building a statue outside of Taylor or Tim Hortons field. Um, I'll go next and then we'll close it off with Jason as our special guest uh, here. Um, I do not. I'm the only one here who does not have Bo Levi Mitchell in his top five. Uh, we'll get into kind of honor of the mentions, guys. We left off the list once everybody's finished their lists here. Uh, my number one on the list is Philip Blake to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on the offensive line because... 
the most glaring hole anybody could have seen coming into free agency this year was the riders needed to fix the offensive line. And like you, Adam, I was toying back and forth. I kind of wanted to sneakily slip, you know, uh, both slide both uh, Philip Blake and Peter Godber in as, as one spot. Cause they're a little bit interchangeable to me, but since I made you overhaul your whole list to follow the rules, I felt like I was maybe breaking them if I did that. Um, the reason I choose Philip Blake over Peter Godber here, though, is Blake has been in the league for a long time. I think he's 37 years old. He entered yeah. the league 2012-2013. That Riders offensive line last year was fairly young. You had a lot of young pieces flow in and out throughout there. I think they got a huge upgrade on the O-line, and they got a huge veteran piece that's going to help settle the rest of the room down there. So that's why I choose Philip Blake, because it was the biggest need, I think, and he's the best uh, guy they brought in to fill the needs. So that rounds out my list. And Jason, over to you to finish off yours. So my number one is, just like Trey, Kenny Lawler of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think that this is a slam dunk for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Like, it's almost unbelievable how good this team is. I see them going back to the Great Cup fourth straight year this year. Um, just, I don't see how you're going to stop uh, the trio of Dembski, Schoen, and now Lawler coming back in the fold. Um, this is not a situation where he'll have to really adjust too much, I think, because of the experience he has priorly, uh, previously playing uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think he's just one of the best players in this entire league, uh, top 10 player in the entire league. Um, and I think that it will really help Dalton Schoen avoid a sophomore slump as well in uh, the CFL. And uh, Dembski can just continue doing what he's doing. Um, just, I think it's a slam dunk. And I don't think there's any move this off season when I was looking at it that has a higher chance of really making an immediate impact. So um, that's why I have him at number one. You were copying my list, man. You were copying lists. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting worried the other guys didn't have them, and I was like, "What am I? What am I thinking?" You know. And so it's nice that you know the reason. Like yeah. I did think about Kenny Lawler. The major reason I left him off my list is because I don't think this is a position the Bombers needed to spend that much on to get a big piece, given the depth they already had there. Right? I thought they could spend elsewhere. Where. You know, you don't bring Lawler in. You still have Shone. You still have Dembski. You still have Rashid Bailey, et cetera. You make a great point, though, Jason, on preventing a sophomore slump from, from Dalton Shone, and maybe this helps with that. Um, but certainly a great addition. I'm just not sure it makes as key of an impact as some of the other guys I had on my list. It was my reasoning for leaving him off. Um, so that does it for our top five lists. Uh, we'll recap them and uh, see if anybody has any additional thoughts on guys they didn't have in their top five. Uh, Jason, you had Luchas Purifoy, Sean Lemon, Eugene Lewis, Bowie by Mitchell, and then Kenny Lawler as your most impactful offseason move. Anybody uh, not quite make your list that you want to touch on? Well, I think I really struggled with, because um, I, when I looked at this, I'm like, what positions – uh, have the most opportunity to make a big impact on teams winning football games. And I think the pass rushers are one that I really struggle with. I ended up going with lemon. I knew I had to have one in my top five. I went with lemon, but I was very close to having a guy like Jagera Davis, a guy like Bolaren or Romilotti that goes to the Argonauts as well. Um, I like a lot of the additions that the Argos made as well. So, um, you know, I think those are the guys that were closest for me. Obviously, Trevor Harris, I think, has 
a good opportunity to be the most impactful uh, signing for this um, off season. But at the end of the day, I have some concerns about him. And I um, said this in a video last year. I think he's just more like an East division quarterback. I think he plays better when he's in the East division. I know the sample size is not huge. He's only in Edmonton for a couple of years, but um, you saw that he immediately rebounded when he went back to the East last season. So I mean, I'm excited to see how it turns out in Saskatchewan, but that's why I didn't have uh, Harris in my top five. Uh, Trey, you've got Eugene Lewis, Michael Couture, Trevor Harris, Bo Levi Mitchell, and Kenny Lawler on your list. Anybody notable uh, that didn't quite make it? Mm, no, I'm just going to say my number one before you put the rules in. My number one before the rules were in was new ownership in Montreal. I think that's going to trump everything if we were having no rules. But if I have to stick to the rules, yeah, you guys, you, no one pays me enough to give me honorable mentions, man. You don't even pay me for the top five. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, Adam, you've got Peter Godber, Eugene Lewis, AC Leonard, Drew Desjardins, and Bo Levi Mitchell on your list. Uh, what about you? Any honorable mentions? Well, the honorable mentions I had was again, uh, Philip Blake was a big one for me because I think he's going to have just as much of an impact in Saskatchewan as probably Peter Godburn the first year. Uh, that being said, I think the lack of, uh, uh, what do you call out of uh, source signings for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that they were able to keep pretty much their entire team again, um, minus Greg Ellickson. Oh, but okay, we'll just go and get uh, Kenny Lawler instead because that's such a, such a devotion. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, that was a big one for me. Uh, yeah, I think the Montreal side thing is going to be a big one as well. I had that in there. And uh, the other one I had also is Ottawa. Uh, I, I don't want to keep bringing them up, but you know what? They've done some great moves this offseason, especially in their coaching staff. Uh, I really, really like to see uh, Baron Miles there as their defensive coordinator. I like seeing Kahari Jones as their offensive coordinator. And seeing as you've got a great young coach, uh, that's had a few opportunities everywhere in there, a special teams guy. He knows what he's doing. I think he's going to be great for that whole team. And man, I feel bad because again, I had one of my brain farts and forgot the name again. So for the, uh, for the head coach of the, uh, the, uh, of the Ottawa Red Blacks, but Bob you know, I guess, what's that? Sorry. Bob, Bob Dice. Dice. Yeah. yeah. Right after I was looking up, I was like, Oh yeah, Bobby Dice. But anyways, <laughs> You know, overall, I think that they're they're a way better team than they were last year. Uh, they made some great signings in the offseason, and I, I'm really excited to see Ottawa uh, and see what this coaching staff has to offer. For my list, I had Nick Dembski back to Winnipeg, uh, Ja'Garrett Davis, Sean Lemon, Eugene Lewis, and Philip Blake. Some guys I had as honorable mentions. Luchez Purifoy was one that briefly came to mind. Jason, you had him at number five on your list. I think that's a huge piece for the Elks on the defense. Uh, in Hamilton, James Butler. I think James Butler is one of the most key additions because it's a huge upgrade at the running back position. The reason I didn't put him in my list, though, is Tommy Condell has to use him properly, right? I don't think it, and that's half of the impact. And I don't, I'm not sure he will. So that's why uh, I drop him a little bit lower on the list. Uh, Kyron Moore also over in Edmonton because uh, I think he can make a big impact at wide receiver. And I think he can make an impact in the return game. It's been so long since the Edmonton franchise has had a very successful return game. Christian Salisbury seemed like he was, you know, actually had a promising start last year. Obviously, the tragic events, uh, rest in peace to him. 
Uh, so they're looking for somebody new to do it this year. Kyron Moore's got experience in the past. If he can help re- rejuvenate the return game for them and also contribute at wide receiver, I think he could make a major impact here. I just wonder if he's the odd man out at wide receiver then, right? Because they're ringing in Stephen Dunbar, Eugene Lewis, Dylan Mitchell's still there. You've got, you know, Manny Arsenault, and you're going to need a Canadian in the list most likely there too. So uh, maybe it's just return duties for the most part. So that dropping right outside the list. Also, my hot take of this top offseason moves, I didn't have a single quarterback in my list because I don't, think any of the quarterback I don't think any team got better at the quarterback position than they did than they were last year I think we just cycled around a bunch of quarterbacks that are roughly the same level and maybe they make an impact but maybe they don't uh I don't know if I strong consider any of these teams strongly getting better at the quarterback position I don't know is that a hot take no no it's kind of like what what I talked about a few weeks ago, like what the CFL is lacking is we don't have that NFL problem where you got what, 20 guys you could all, or, you know, I'm not 20, but you got at least 10 you can all argue for. Right. But we got what Caleros, you know, and that's in Bo. And then that's what else, you know, and even Bo's arguable, like who, who's your, who's your Mahomes right now? Who's your Allen? Who's your Burrow? We don't have that. Right. So right. you're just going to be recycling guys around. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, that's why I, I do have Jake Mayer at number two on my quarterback rankings because I do think he has the the best opportunity to grow from what we've seen so far from him in the CFL. Um, but like I said, I think a lot of these guys are very close to each other. I think um, it really can make or break, um, break either way depending on the situations that they're in. Well, we'll have the poll up on social media shortly after the episode gets posted there as well. So make sure you go vote in our poll. Uh, Let us know whose list you agree with most. And of course, you can let us know uh, also uh, what your top five list would be. Uh, These top five countdowns, I love them. They lead to a great discussion, but they make my brain hurt. It's so hard to nail things down to a top five. Uh, but this is going to be a mainstay on the podcast going forward, I think. So also send us your suggestions for what you want uh, us to cover in these going forward. And of course, uh, as we get into, I think we're ready to pretty much wrap things up here uh, on the podcast uh, for this evening. So uh, you can check us out on social media. You know, you can find the podcast on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod on Facebook, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod there as well give us your input on all of that stuff um anybody have any other additional thoughts for this evening before we start wrapping it up or or are we ready to do so i still i still think that canadian billionaire should move the washington football team to canada whatever if that goes through (laughs) but other than that that's the topic for another day yeah we could get into a whole discussion on that one i'm sure they took the expos we'll take your football team right Right, yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. Yeah, it's a trade-off. Uh, well, Jason, let's start with you here then as we wrap things up. It's been such a joy to have you here on the podcast, and I think all of us would agree. Open invite to come back in the future anytime you want. Um, where can pe- What do you all have going on these days? Where can people find all of your content and you on social media? So mostly my content is on YouTube at Hussie's Huddle. Got a bunch of weekly CFL content going on over there going to be um and this is 
I haven't even announced this on my own channel yet. Uh, so that's a little bit of breaking news. I'm going to be doing a top 50 players list um, countdown this year. Um, so um, look forward to that on the channel. I'm going to be doing some season previews over on the channel as well um, as we lead up to the season here. Um, but yeah, usually twice to three times a week videos. Uh, and uh, you could also find me on Twitter at Hussies Huddle as well. Geez, a top 50. I, I had enough of a hard time slotting in a top five. <laughs> I don't think I can do a top 50. I mean, I'm excited to see it uh, and look forward to all of your off-season content and throughout the season there as well. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm there at, at CooperTrooper42. I really don't tweet much, but hey, if you're looking to increase the number of accounts you follow that may randomly show up in your For You page one day, then, then go ahead and follow me. I uh, hope you find some value in that. Uh, you can find Mike on Twitter at Mike Garrell. Uh, he's been away for a couple episodes. Uh, we're hoping to have Mike back in the near future as well. Uh, also, make sure you check out the new Twitter account for Game Time TV, uh, our presenting sponsor. They now have a Twitter account at Game Time TV MB. Uh, that's Mike's media company there. So go check that out. Uh, Trey, where can people find you on social media and what do you got going on these days? Uh, if you want to read uh, from the hottest journalist in harness racing, that Trey at Harness Link. Um, my, my, new, my new series, that Trey's Two Cents, man, people have been loving it and it's great because I just get to complain about things and people say, wow, you know, great, you know, and it's great. So, but uh, other than that, you know, I'm not really on Twitter too much. Last couple weeks of school, boys, and then it's all over, and I'm just going to be a deadbeat at home uh, working from home completely. So it'll be great. Adam, man, what are you going to do now when that hockey season's done, man, and where can people find uh, you doing nothing? Yeah, doing nothing. We'll go with that. It's the middle of calving season here, so, you know, I've got those to deal with all the time right now. So uh, brace yourselves on uh, – on uh, what do you call face or over on Twitter? Probably you're going to see some cab photos coming up pretty soon. Uh, at Adam Stewart one, and hey, we still got our hockey wind up to do yet, so you'll get some pictures from that. May even see a random picture of somebody going through a table because we were celebrating so hard after the game uh, this weekend here against Rokeville when we won that one. Uh, so yeah, congratulations again. I want to just say if any of my players actually are watching or my guys are watching yeah no hey we there they are we had such a great time and it was a great season and man i i'm glad i got to go and help manage a great great group of men and uh yeah i i hope to do it again next year uh if if they'll let me uh it, what an amazing time and an amazing experience like it always is and uh yeah before I go and get emotional about looking at that picture anymore, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go back again. Follow me at Adam Stewart one. Yes, congrats again on the championship there, Adam. And uh, hey, running back next season, we're, we're rooting for you all the way. Uh, uh, I should also add that next week or next time, I'll bring the trophy with. It's oh, a pretty perfect. cool little trophy. <laughs> you can drink out of it, eat cereal out of it. What's the plan? Well, we've all drunk out of that uh, trophy already pretty much all night there. And, then we were uh, busy eating stuff out of that trophy, and then we may have possibly broke the trophy. Oh, that's, so, that's just the rite of passage for any any championship there, right? It, it literally is a scale model of the Stanley Cup. I mean, how can we not go and play with that? 
That's awesome. uh, if you do bring it to the podcast next time and decide to eat something like cereal out of it, I'm muting your microphone. I don't think anybody wants to hear you eat cereal on the hey, podcast. I've got a bag of Darian's Darios. I might just eat those. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, speaking of next time on the podcast, right now we're running episodes every two weeks during the off season. So we'll be back in about two weeks uh, with another round table, unless there's any breaking uh, major news in between that justifies jumping in earlier and then you know it's almost april and then may is here and then the cfl preseason and all of that is here so we're going to start getting into our season preview content very soon here i think and as we get closer to the season we'll start uh jumping in here more regularly but we appreciate everybody who always joins us and tunes in here on the podcast wherever you listen wherever you watch uh we appreciate you do all the fun things such as like comment subscribe rate review share the show with your friends uh help us grow the show we always appreciate that uh on behalf of our panel here this evening i'm ryan we've got trey we've got adam and our special guest jason from hussy's huddle uh thank you for listening thanks again jason for joining us take care everybody have a good one Bye.